Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the third Saturday of May, May 15th, year 2021. And we are celebrating and greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. Remember. God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Today's worship uh, serving team is Brother Bob Pierce as our Zoom mod moderator, as our music minister, Sister Helena Thompson, our call to worship, myself, Sister Lydia Torigano. We have our worship leader, Elder Carolyn. Cunningham. We have our altar prayer today and benediction uh, would be Pastor Millicent Black. We have uh, Pastors Terrence and Pamela Wilson for the preach word. Sister Greta Ayers for the invitation to discipleship. Myself for the announcements. Thank you for your attention. After an opening song, Elder Carolyn will lead us through the rest of the worship service. Also, as a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there is any background noise where you are. Thank you and God bless you. Jesus is the one that can lift us up. He's the one that can save our soul. He's the one that can make us whole. And we thank him for being in all of our lives today. It is a great honor to greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Pamela Wilson and Terrence Wilson from Jesus Christ Died for You Ministry. And thank you for Pastor Millicent for hosting us again and allowing us to be a part of this wonderful assembly of people of God. So today, uh, before I introduce my husband, um, I just want to um, thank you all for your gift of sewing into our ministry and for welcoming me to other events that we can encourage each other as Christians. So I'll turn it over to Pastor Terrence. Well, thank you, I appreciate it. God bless you. Uh, I'm also called Pastor Jesus Christ Staff, you, Reverend Millicent Black and all the, mem all the ministers and staff that works for the refuge from the storm. We just thank you and praise you for being a part of this. We know how good it is. The Bible says good for brother at this sister and to dwell together in unity. And also I was glad, like David said, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I believe today we'll talk about holding ourselves accountable as Christians. That is one thing that is lacking sometimes in the church while we don't get the victory. And so we'll start off with that today. And I'll go ahead and start us out in the first part, uh, if you can. So um, it came to me about just seeking accountability for my own life recently. 
and um, from um, Pastor Millicent, who I really admire and, and respect as a leader in Christ. And I think that's a good thing to have in your life, to have somebody like that. So the Bible is clear that we're all to be accountable to God because nothing is hidden from him. So at one day, we're all going to have to give account, the Bible says. Romans 14 and 12 says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God for our own life. And that means our own life and no one else. That's why it's called personal accountability. No one will escape it. So it's important to not only to hold ourselves accountable, because while we're going through struggles, and we all are, that we still have to hold up a standard, even in the midst of persecution, because the, Jesus did it. And I mean, he was persecuted and Paul, what was it, how he said he was, he was persecuted on every side. So he still, he said, but he was, he was not you know, cast down. So we have to still hold up a standard and look, judge ourselves and be really proactive about it. And it's important for us to be intentional and be proactive, to look at ourselves in the mirror. I think I've said this before that I really like that song by Michael Jackson, even though it's a, a secular song, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No lesson could have been any clearer. If you wanna make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change in yourself. So that's an important thing for us all to do on a regular basis. And it's good when we have ministry leaders, spouses, um, you know, older relatives, or even younger relatives can kind of correct us kindly and gently. So parents, tell us why it's important to- Well, as we, as we admire the bravery and the tenacity and the courage of David, who even though we know that David slew the bear, the lion, and wolves, and took down Goliath with the strength of the Lord in his, with him, it was not David took down the, the Goliath, but it was the Lord. But also David himself says in Psalms 26 too, Lord, examine me and try my heart. Now, when he wrote the book of Psalms, we know that he was in a dry land at that time for 12 years before he was crowned king. Accountability is very needed today. It's something that a lot of people do not want because they don't want God to be Lord over their lives. But let me tell you this, we cannot be an island all to ourselves. We must submit our whole heart. And I remember that um, the Lord said, turn back to me with your whole heart and I will be gracious and slow to forgive. And accountability is one thing, it keeps us on track so the enemy cannot deter us and cause us to go in error. And, uh, you know, and David himself, and he knew that people were watching him as a leader. And by him, you know, as he got more famous, you know, the, those the ladies would say when he come back from battle, Saul has slay his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Well, David didn't want that kind of honor, but they bestowed it upon him. But one thing he did that he checked himself daily with the Lord. It wasn't so much David was this just special person that made him close walking with God. It was that he submitted his whole life. Now, yes, he did fall short and fell into sin. We know that. But David, majority of the time in his life, he, he held accountability. And accountability is, is one of the only ways to keep us from going off track. Because any one of us, the Bible says in the last days, that the, the many will be deceived and be deceiving and giving it seducing spirits and, and soothsayers and stuff like that, psychics, palm reading, tarot cards and stuff like that. But we have to hold ourselves accountable because that way we examine, it's just like once a year, you go to a doctor, you get a physical checkup on your body. You're checking to see if there's anything inside of you that needs to be addressed. So it's just like a spiritual checkup. You are checking your heart, your blood pressure, your sodium and calcium and all that stuff, fiber, because what you're doing, you're making sure the body is right because you can't 
war in the spirit, not in the flesh, if your body is not right and the accountability is not there to keep us in check. Now, we're all going through things and we know that we are, but we all, all can be like, you know, sort of sidetracked by things, materialism, I guess when we're sitting in the house, maybe shopping or maybe just bitterness or unforgiveness or maybe just um, just any little thing that you may even become a habit of it. You may be, it may become a habit and you don't realize that you're even you know, kind of veering off that your mind is kind of just, just sort of on neutral and that you're not, you're not hungrily pursuing God anymore. And, um, or you might have your focus on just different things or children or family members or just work or something. And you're not focusing on God and, or you have ministering to people and you may not have the right spirit of, of, um, just mercy and, and, and love because we're supposed to do everything in love that the Bible says. And so we got to check ourselves and praise God that if we have people that we, that can, you know, just give us a little nudge back, you know, that's really nice and, and, and be able to do that. So personal accountability, the root word is account. The definition of account in this case is a report or description of an event or experience. It means to be able to give an account or to have the capacity to report or describe a thing. And most of us are accountable to someone like your boss at work or board members that you're on a board or shareholders or in our job. But that's in that's a sort of a corporate, it's not personal accountability. Personal accountability is mainly looking at your own individual behavior and just looking at everything. I mean, we were um, we like there's a talk, this is there's a talk show that we like to watch. I'm not talk show, a um, game show. And nothing wrong with it, it comes on prime time, nothing negative about it. But every time in there, they would have these things that were kind of like that you wouldn't want your children hearing, like, you know, making jokes about sex and different other things like that. And we were, you know, we liked this particular person. And so really the Lord sort of touched us. And um, my husband said, oh, this is kind of, mm, it's, you know, it's fun to listen to, but there's a lot of things in there that as Christians, we don't want to listen to this game show. And it, and it's just a very subtle thing. I mean, maybe a show that some of y'all even watch, but we, for us, we felt like we needed to sort of check ourselves on that because it had different things in there. It had like if you break up with a, your boyfriend, what are you going to do when they said like burn down his house and break his car window? You know, crazy, crazy things like that. And it was and people laughed and it was funny because of his talk show. But that's not the kind of thing, even though there may be one or two little bits of that in that particular show that we want to kind of fill our minds up as Christians. So um, that was, you know, that's, this is a small example of ways we have to look at our life, what we watch on TV Everybody likes television, but there's some secular shows that we don't watch. So we kind of do that. Now, accountability versus responsibility. Many people think that they're both the same thing, but they're really not. Responsibility means that you have the, you have whatever goes wrong, it, you'll have the culpability for it. You'll have the, it'll be your fault if it, something goes wrong. Accountability just means that you have to give an answer for something. For, and so for instance, in the corporate world, we can easily see this demonstrated in like the uh, relationship between your boss and employee. The boss is not responsible to do the job of each employee, but he is accountable for whether the job gets done correctly overall at the end of the day. So he's responsible overall at the end of the day, even though he's, I mean, he's, he's accountable, but he's not necessarily responsible for each part. Then this responsibility, uh, accountability compared to proper judging. Now, I don't know how many times I've heard this, and I'm, you may have heard it too, that you say that one teacher, uh, one Christian minister I saw on TV said people are always saying that we shouldn't, 
hold each other accountable because people think that that means judging somebody and that we shouldn't hold accountable because that's judging, but that's not true. God is the ultimate judge. That, that is true. However, Ephesians 4, 6, 15 says that we should speak the truth in love. That means tell somebody, sister, mm, that's kind of your little off track there, you know, and do that. And I'm going to read three scriptures that talk about that. John 7.24 says, do not judge by appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So it is telling you to judge, just do it righteously and not only by external things, okay? So that's one example of where judging is appropriate. Okay, another one, 1 Corinthians 11.13, but if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. So it says we need to judge ourselves. We need to, I've sort of cultivated getting a little better at this as time goes on. I just look at myself constantly and I I have people that I bounce stuff off of and say, what do you think about this? The two people in particular that are close to me that I can ask these things and know that I'm going to get a good response. If I'm, if I'm blowing it, they'll say, nah, you just, you didn't do good there. Or, you know, you can just do a little better there. We, that's a good thing to do. So it says that we should judge the church. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13 talks about um, we shouldn't even be bothered with judging outsiders, but it is, Shouldn't we judge those inside the church? Each other. We love one another, just like family. You're going to tell somebody, if my slip is hanging or if I've got something stuck on my hair or something, you know, somebody will tell you that loves you. They'll tell you those things. Okay, so ways that we can hold ourselves accountable. We have to do this. We need to be really, really proactive about it. We, we don't necessarily always need to wait till somebody calls us out on something. Because by the time people call us out, it's usually too late. Something damage could already be done. I mean, look at how many times you see things in the news where somebody is arrested and there's people all along that never opened their mouth. They saw these people doing whatever, whatever, A, B, and C for years. And I'll give you a small example of this. Uh, when I worked for a particular city government, there was these people in there and they were in sort of high level. I mean, I sat there and they did all this stuff. And so they were going on and on and on. And I would I would say something to some of them, but I my voice was so less of a powerful one than theirs was that they said, oh, you're just worrying. I mean, we're going to do this. Nobody's going to bother you. So I stopped working there. And later on, I went, moved on. About two years after that, two maybe three years later, because I kept saying, how do these people get away with this? And lo and behold, those people were in front of the judge and go to federal prison for doing like, steal, I mean, just all kind of crazy stuff. So it was our responsibility to say something. Uh, where I work, we have a we have a slogan called "If you see something, say something." So, you know, and that's one of the things you should do. If you see something wrong, you may not be in the line of a person's influence. Say it's like somebody, a kid, somebody else's kid, or not maybe not a kid, but somebody something that you're it's none of your business. Then you can still pray for that person, or um, you can find a way to, you know, get that person's attention in some way. Things in the workplace, I can't even tell you. There's stuff that where people are doing things, harassment, sexual harassment, even targeting in the, of certain other kinds, not, not the kinds that we talk about a lot. But if you stand there and watch those things happen and you don't report those things to anybody, you're, to me, as bad as the ones that are doing those things, that are doing those bad things. It can't be, it's none of our business. I'm not going to get involved. I don't want to have to go to court to testify. I don't go to court to testify. I mean, I work in the government and if I see a crime, I have to tell some stuff because, you know, it's, it's part of what we sign up for. And so I think there's a, there's a way to do that in a, in a way that's um, appropriate and in and, and, and the proper channels. We do need to say something. 
I mean, we've seen things in different times where, you know, something doesn't feel right about somebody, you know that person, but you know, them, you don't know them very well, but you might want to go to them privately and say, you know, you need to work on this, or this is not good, and something, you know, I'm going to have to report this if you don't stop doing it, or something, you know, especially if it's at work, and there's some kind of um, fraud or crime or something involved, you have to say that. So what's, how, what are some of the ways that we can hold ourselves accountable? Um, we need to, first of all, fear the Lord. So how does fearing the Lord make us keep ourselves accountable? Well, the, the Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and understanding. Well, we, well, we fear the Lord. Now, Jesus told us, Paul tells us that you have been reconciled to Christ in the New Testament. Would that mean that he said you are now a new creature in Christ? I declare you faultless before Christ. You've been washed with the blood. You've been baptized by water and then baptized by the Holy Ghost a couple of days henceforth. Now that we have the spirit of Christ in us, the Bible says crucify the things of the flesh in Colossians. And it also tells us this. It says that person, Saul doesn't live no more, but it's Paul that lives. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, which is one of the oldest cities in the world today, okay? When Paul was on the road, he was Saul when he got on the horse, when he left going toward <clears throat> Damascus. And so he was serving another master at that time. But when he got knocked off that horse, he probably was one of those Clydell horses like the ones they use for the Budweiser commercial, one of the big horses, you know, they had to seat, they sit up high to make them feel good about themselves. Like they were very special and they were somebody of very important means or important statue. But anyway, when Paul fell off that high horse, everything that he knew that he was serving Rome fell with him at the same time. So when he, the first part was Saul who had no accountability, but to Caesar. But then when he fell on that ground, when he got up, he, he transferred from darkness into his marvelous light. So that's why Paul could demonstrate that he can talk about that because he himself demonstrated that. And then he became accountable to James, who was the brother of Jesus, became the first bishop to the church. And he became accountable to Peter, the fisherman who became the one, the fishers of men, the stone. Jesus said upon his church, he gave some Hades will not prevail against you. The accountability is good, but also you have to be wise of who you're accountable mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. because there are people sometimes that are not worthy of accountability and they shouldn't be in that. But, you know, pick a person you feel peace about that's going to give you good understanding and clarity. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. When God, we fear God, that means we depart from sin. And that's in Proverbs. If you look at the, the look at the chapter, the heading of Proverbs, it tells us the reason why it's called Proverbs, because it's telling you how to live life skillfully, that is pleasing to God in challenging times, which we're in on you know perilous times. So that's why I go from Proverbs from one to all to 31, and I go back and read it again because it's teaching you how to live life skillfully. But you're getting at the same time, you're fearing the Lord. And the beginning looks at the beginning of knowledge is to fear the Lord, to shun evil and to be and embrace good. So when we fear God, we get the we get answers to mysteries that God has not given to the wicked, but has stored up for the righteous. And then at the same time, when we fear God, <clears throat> we will walk in a way that is pleasing to him and not to the course or the dictations of this world. So we thank God that we fear God. It's not a fear that just we're trembling, but it's a fear out of respect 
for his word and his way, this is why we fear God, because we want to honor him and please him with our lives. And that's Amen. holding ourselves accountable. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, as Terrence says, the food despises wisdom and instruction. I mean, there's people that you know that you want to correct, they may not receive it. And so, you know, you have to ask God to soften your heart in some way sometimes or ask somebody else to do it. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, um, here now my, is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. Now, like Terrence said, the, one of the good ways to have do that is have an accountability partner. Have someone that you trust, like Terrence said, it has to be somebody that's in the word. Um, it has to be somebody that um, you know is reading the Bible on a regular basis and that they're going to tell you, they're not going to just tell you what you want to hear and they're your friend or they're your loved one and they're just going to, oh, you're okay, you're okay. But sometimes you're not okay. And they need to say that too. So um, you can, uh, it, it says that in the Bible that we're stronger together. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 2 says, we, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one falls, the other one will lift his companion up. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, it's iron sharpens iron so shall a friend shop and a friend. And so we know that we're all uh, on a journey together and some are, are more taught than others. Some are you know, more Pentecostal, some are more traditional uh, uh, Protestant, but we're all having things to share, to grow and to help make each other stronger. So the person you have in an accountability partner, whether they be a pastor, and it can't always be the, the pastor because they have so many people, but it, maybe it could be depend depending, um, but, you want to be comfortable being honest with the person. You want to um, go to somebody that is going to love you, but it's not going to be an enabler of bad behavior of yours. So if someone's always telling you you're okay and you never need to change anything, you may, might need to check and find <laughs> out if they're, you know, maybe there's somebody that you would, that would mentor you better than them. Okay. And then you need to be honest with yourself and others. Let's talk about that, dude. How, how's that important to do? Well, here's, I will say this right now. To be honest with yourself is really is to avoid self-deception. And also, too, we know that the, the Bible said the devil come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God said, I come that you may have life. The reason why the, the Bible says that when Jesus came into the world, now when he was born into the world, they couldn't comprehend the light because they, they darkness, their deeds was wicked. So when Jesus came, he was shining the light on the whole world and letting them know that you need to face, you need to deal with the issues or the giants or the demons or the generational curses need to be broke over your life or your bloodline. They need to be broke. So anyway, what Jesus was saying, he was saying, repent and seek ye the kingdom of God. But at the same time, David, remember his ancestor, David, which Isaiah said he would sit upon the throne of his ancestor, David, and his kingdom would know no end. And so now Jesus said, even though David is gone, but I am here. I did not come to destroy the laws of the prophet, but fulfill. And the fulfillment of Christ is that we look at our lives. Mm -hmm. If we get out, if, here's the thing. If you're a soldier and you're in the battlefield, a healthy soldier, that's why Jesus said, that I, I come, a physician, he said, the healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. So think about this. When we were, we were laying down in sin, when we gave our lives to Christ, we can't do battle if you ourselves are not in good standard. Now, let me show you an example. If you talk about uh, this, we look at ourselves. The one thing, this is a good example in the Bible. King Jehoshaphat, 
when he found out that there was an opposing army from the north, south, east, and west, I mean, this army had over 100,000 men strong surrounding the city. The first thing he did was he called a fast. And then when he, King Jehoshaphat called the fast, the whole congregation got together and they cried out to God, young and old. When they cried out, he consecrated them. The priests consecrated the people. They called out, they, they confessed their sins and they were forgiven. And then the next morning when they got up, God had already destroyed the enemy because what he did, they were celebrating up at the top of the hill, getting ready to go for the kill. But what happened? They looked at themselves and they had to realize for us to get victory, we have to be right ourselves with God. So once they got right with God, the enemy was taken care of just like that. When they got up the next morning, the enemies, God set the spirit of confusion among them and they turned on each other and killed each other on the top of the hill. And, so he, and the most important thing is, is that the young person there, or the mentee, and doesn't have to always be chronologically younger, was able to take instruction. I think we all got to just get that. We all got to get in the position where we can take instruction from people that we respect in the ministry that love our Lord as much as we do. And that's important that he was able to take instruction and he was able to see that helped him get through a, a battle and a victory. Um, James, it talks about us, you know, bringing our, our issues to somebody that can pray for us. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And here, this um, translation says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cure us. Uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we do confess our sins to God. And in some cases we might say to somebody, oh, you know, I'm just, what about this? You know, I probably fell short here. What do you think? And sometimes maybe you did fall short. Maybe you didn't, maybe you were okay. But it not it wonderful to have, you can take it to the Lord, of course. And that's your first stop. But at times God is okay with you having counsel. There's a scripture that in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. There's, he's okay with you having some trusted persons or persons, person or persons. You can say, you know, how was that? Or was that okay? Or, you know, I said this, do you think I went over, you know, and then they'll love you and say, yeah, you did good here, but you know, you could change that. So that's what it's about. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. It's like looking at yourself and it's hard. It's hard. I've gotten better at it. And I, I'm, I've gotten better at it just because, um, I work on some things in my life specifically that demand that I look at myself on a regular basis. You know, I, I talk to, you know, professional folks that just see certain things and I do I do things at work where I'll call a coworker and say, you know, how's this? I have this idea. I'm going to send it up to chain of command. And so I do have a regular way of doing that. But in the spirit, I have people that are close and trusted and I do that. But how do we do that? How can we um face ourselves you're talking well about number one is that if we seek the lord is at the feet of jesus that's where it's going to start and number two always like when you when we were going to high school do you have we have guidance counselors they would guide us through college i mean do uh you know do grammar school high school because they were preparing us for the next level you go to trade military or going to college uh so what i'm saying is Always be teachable. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. You have to be teachable. I, I cannot tell you 
I've served in a ministry. I've never really said this to nobody. I've served for many years before I got into a pastoral role with my wife. And I, didn't, I was not running to be no pastor, but trust me. Uh, but that's what the Lord called us to do. And so we pursued that. But I cannot tell you how I served in so many different areas that I never even told nobody about this. But the Lord know where I served. But that's not the important thing. The one thing I found out is that you have to have a teachable spirit. And then you have to have a spirit that's willing to submit all the way, and not only to God, but to leadership, correction, reproach. You know, the Bible says, you know, correction. It talks about that because Paul is telling Timothy, he said right now he had to correct, even though he was one of, uh, he was very close to Timothy, but he says, stand firm, stand firm, a soldier under, under a persecution. We know that opposition in this life is going to come. But if, we are, if we're submitted to God and we are teachable, God will lead us and guide us through whatever the situation mm. is. He'll make a way. That's why we say he'll make a way out of no way. Because the, 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 most, the strongest kind of Christian is one that's, in, one that's submitted to God, obey the voice of God, fears God, and another one, the one that's informed and understand the perfect will of God. So even though as we're Christians, we have to check ourselves daily. That's why I keep going back to Psalms 26 and 2. David said, examine me. Mm -hmm. We know he fought a mm -hmm. lot of battles, but he examined himself. I mean, even just at Ziklag, when you look at, he said, bring me the ephod. Even though they wept, David said, well, did I do something wrong to cause my wife to be taken away? My children, every man was crying for his daughter's son that was gone and taken in captivity. But David searched himself. Now, we know he sinned and did wrong. And I said, yes, he did. But the thing is, David went back. He, he got in. He got back to that old time religion. And he remembered, this is the thing that, that kept me close to God by me looking in that mirror. You know, when you get up in the morning, we should all say to ourselves, Lord, what in my life mm -hmm. do I need to work on? Show me me. That is the most important thing. And I'm going to tell you something. The sad thing I think sometimes in our churches is we have people that they have positions. There's nothing wrong with that, but they can't be corrected. And that's not what God is saying. He's saying be correctable, be teachable, because he said if, you, if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. We don't have to exalt ourselves. He will lift us up in due season. Look what he did for Joseph. He brought him in from the prison mm -hmm. and to the palace. Look what he did for Moses. He killed him in the palace and led him two million people strong in toward the promised land. Even though he didn't walk in it, he saw the promises of God come to fruition. So if we fear God and we obey God, and let me tell you something, the Bible said God chastised those whom he loved. He, he's, if he wanted to get rid of us, it wouldn't take him nothing to do that. But he, God, so loved the world that he wants us to walk in victory. How do we get victory? By fearing God. And in accountability, let me tell you something. When you search over your life, do not compare. When we do that, do not compare ourselves to others. Just say, Lord, this is the area I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And have a conference. Why don't you call a tabernacle with God? That's where God met Israel. Let me tell you about the tabernacle. When Moses, God called for Israel at the bottom of Mount Sinai. Look at the story for yourself. And he, when he, Moses had to consecrate the people, they had to wash their clothes, and they had to get because they had never heard God's voice before. But so now when they got to the tabernacle, Moses was used to hearing God's voice because he was going up and down Mount Sinai. But when God told him to bring Israel to meet with God, that was called the tabernacle. That means Israel, God met with Israel. But when God spoke, they got afraid because his voice, the sins in their heart was convicting them. 
So what Moses said, fear not because God is with us, not against us. So the reason why I said that, let us not fear when God speaks. We fear him as reverence, but I want to say this. Let us fear God, but walk in victory, obeying his every command. And the Bible says, he that do the will of God is my brother. That's what Jesus said. He, not, all, he said, not only that, but he who do the will of my father, that's who. Mm -hmm. That's who. Now, he, he said, you could be a brother, you could be an aunt, you could be a sister, and that doesn't matter. But he that picks up his cross day by day and follow me. And let me tell you something. We all know that we got, we got challenges in our lives. But Paul says to crucify your flesh daily. You know, it is not us that live, but what Christ, Christ Jesus. Amen. So how do we get this going if we're not doing this already? And I think most people probably are. But in case you're not doing it proactively, like not waiting until someone says, yeah, you should have done it. But doing it, pro you know, seeking out um, accountability for your life. So you can make a personal accountability plan. And this is some steps I just kind of wrote down that I think would help. It's helped me. Pray and ask God for to just bless a plan of yours to make hold yourself accountable. Then you put some areas down. You make a little list of things I want to do. I want to be more, you know, patient. I want to be more uh, a better listener. I want to be, you know, just make a list of where you think that you should have some correction. I need to be more focused or left self-centered or just anything that you can think of. And you're going to have a list because we all do. Amen. Amen. Earth. That's every one of us. We do. And, you know, and God loves us no matter what. He still does. You make that list then. And then you find scriptures to do to um, say you one of yours might be fear. One of yours might be unforgiveness or something. And then you find after, under every time. And don't get too long because you're going to want to work on certain ones. And maybe next month you can do some more or something. But under each one of these topics, put some scriptures down. Put a, three or four scriptures under patient. Put three or four scriptures under unforgiveness. Put three or four scriptures under love. And then just go and every day take one. So you kind of just throughout the day, you know, Lord, I thank you for, you said in your word that um, you, whatever I ask according to your will, you hear me. You said in your word that oh, we should grow more and more in, in, in grace and, and add to our grace, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. So you have certain scriptures and you can just sort of say them throughout the day or something, or just remember, you know, kind of meditate on those throughout the day. And you do that day by day. So you're always looking at areas of your life where you need to grow. And you have to be, this is the part that you have to be honest because sometimes it's hard to, to find, look at our own shortcomings. I've gotten better at it just because, um, just being around people that I know are gonna hold me accountable. And just praying, ask God, like my, my husband said, these words, show me me. Show me like, oh, I think I'm really, I'm, I'm like over here, I'm, I'm over here, but wait, oh wait, I'm not, I'm kind of over here and I need to kind of get back over here. So show me me and pray over those things day by day. And then there's scriptures that talk about how you can commit your plan. Proverbs 16 and three says, commit your actions to the Lord, commit to plans to whatever you, to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Then Proverbs 3 and 5, acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your path. And there's another one, I can't think of the, what it is, but the, the scripture is that you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right, when you turn to the left. So you will, if you ask God, he'll give you where, what you need to, where you need to go and what you need to say. Just ask. 
Well, what do I need to do? What should I, what am I missing here? Or what do I need to do? Who should I call somebody to get prayer? What do I need to do? And you ask them those things and you keep examining yourself and you'll be doing it till, till you either go home in the natural state or until he comes to, to bring us up in the clouds in the rapture. You're going to keep doing this. this is, there, there's not an end to this. It's like you, you don't get to the end until you die or Jesus comes. It's a constant, it's a, it's a constant um, involvement. You're going to evolve in areas and then maybe sometimes you'll be good in one area and then you might get kind of start maybe slacking in another area. So you got to keep doing this. It's a regular thing to do, but ask the Lord to continue to make you accountable. I keep a diary and I use it daily. Um, I put different things in it. Sometimes I write what I want to talk to the Lord. And sometimes I just sit there with a blank piece of paper and wait till he says something to me and he'll say something. And then I write it down. Or sometimes I'll be um, just, you know, fellowshipping or something like that. And so it's good to have those things and it's good to always grow, right? Yeah. yeah. And also too, let me close it out with this right here. If you look up the book of Joshua, Joshua started out, he was from the uh, tribe of Noon. I think it's not Noon that they said be white. But anyway, he was of a regular family in Israel. He became the leader of Israel after Moses went home to be with the Lord. But when Joshua started, he was very, he had a real tough rebellious spirit inside of him that when he realized that when he submitted, but Moses saw something in him that he took hold of him and made him his assistant, the Bible said. He became Moses. He was very strong. He was very physical fit, strong. So Moses needed a bodyguard because eventually every time the people got into a hardship, they talked about stoning Moses and Aaron. So Moses had decided that he needed a assistant and really you could say he was his bodyguard. But what Joshua did, he cultivated the things of God. He started letting God work on the issues of his life, whatever they were. The Bible doesn't go into detail about that. But as he stood, he saw the benefit and he saw the, he saw the benefits of submitting himself to his leader and not just any leader, but a righteous leader who Moses was, okay? And when, he, when the time came for Moses to leave, when God called him, God chose Joshua. Now, Joshua obeyed the voice of God. He, he walked in humility and humbleness before the Lord, meekly and quietness. But watch this. At the end of his life, God says, when, Moses, when Joshua was about ready to die and he was ready to give up the ghost, God said, uh, Joshua left nothing, left nothing. He left nothing undone. So all the will of God, I mean, how would you feel if God said you have completed everything across the years, the score years of your life and everything that I command you to do, you have left nothing undone. You have completed the whole will of God. That is coming not from just a king on the earth or a queen in the earth or a president. That's coming from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so if, how would you like to hear those well done? The well done is going to come when your work is surpassed what God had told you that you did beyond and you, you did everything that he called you to do in the church according to what do you think the, the, the trumpets or the, the, the music was when Paul gave, he said that I finished the fight, I kept the faith. And that in 2 Timothy, when he said, I fought a good fight in the spirit. But what I'm saying to you is this, think about this. 
there are a lot of Christians that are going to go to heaven. I don't know because I, I don't have that insight. I don't have, but I'm going to say this. Why not excel in what God had called us to do? What he told us holding ourselves accountable as Christians. Let us start with number one. That's what Paul told them in Ephesus. I mean, in, in, in Ephesus, he said, examine yourself, brother, one, and then examine the church. Because he was getting on ministers about, the, you know, about being a deacon, being a bishop, being an elder. And he was telling them, you are called to serve the people. But now, Joshua, let me go back to him. The reason I'm saying it because there's a very few people in the Bible that God said, well done. Now, there are a lot of people that are saved. They're going to get it. And I'm, I believe that it's going to go to heaven. But I wonder how many God is going to say, well done. And some God, now look at now look at Exodus. When they left Israel, when they went to, when they left Egypt, when Israel left Egypt, when God gave the command to bring them out, the Bible says God was not pleased with all of them because a lot of them was wild. They had, they had got it contaminated by being in an idolatry country, a pagan worship country. Egypt was. So when they came out, God tested them. And for 40 days, he's tested them in the wilderness to see what was in them. So now, Joshua, the reason why I'm saying this, he was the only two, him and Caleb, he was the only two that got into the promised land. Everybody else had died out in the, in the wilderness. So now when he got done, God said, well, well, how would you like that walking down the streets of the New Jerusalem? And Jesus said out of his own lips, well done, well done. Not you got in, you barely got in. Oh, you just, you just, but I mean, think about the thief on the cross. Okay, he, Jesus said, yes, you'll be with me in paradise, but that ain't, I, you ain't, he ain't gonna hear no well done. I can assure you that. He might say, come in and enjoy the glories of heaven. But, he, you know, and, and that's why Revelations chapter 22 says this, everybody will be given according to the works that he or she did in the name of the Lord. Everybody's reward will not be the same. Because some people only got saved because that was their last chance, like that deep on the cross. He wasn't thinking about getting saved. He just saw a last, he had enough sense to say, you know what? This is my last chance. I better take it. If I may not get another tomorrow's, I'm going to be crucified with Jesus. So I might as well get saved. I, I done messed up my life and been a wreck. But then if you go back to Joshua, he's going to get in and hear the glories of the Lord forever. And think about this. The Bible says when we sit at the welcome table, he will pray. God is going to, he's going to honor us, not just on the day that we receive the bride and the groom, but he's going to honor us for all eternity. Have you ever been to a banquet where people, you see the banquet, people wear uh, tuxedos and beautiful gowns and dresses? And think about this, going to a, going to the dinner table with Jesus and it never ending, mm. never ending, never ending. You hear Jesus pronouncing faithful, faithful, loyal, blessed, well done, going down from one end of the table said, now when he come to us, we have the opportunity not to hear, well, you got in, but we have the opportunity to hear, well, well, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all that comes out. It doesn't matter what our title, there's nothing wrong with the titles, but if we don't fulfill that calling, then we won't hear the word well done. Amen. So that's why we hold ourselves accountable. And you, we should be glad that God loves us enough to say, you know what? He showed you all the areas in life. Right now, I'm working on the areas of my life that I need to work on as a pastor, as a husband, 
is a leader. I'm constantly working on that. My wife tells, remind me things that I need to do. We remind each other. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing the Bible says. He that is corrected will love the Bible. I said, he that heareth increase in knowledge is wise. A wise man will take heed to what God has said. But a fool despise wisdom and knowledge. So now, which one on the day of judgment are you going to hear? Well done or depart from me. Now, Jesus said many, he said, I tell you, many are going to come in and sit down at my table from north, south, east, and west. And they're going to say, and a lot of them, here's the problem they had. Here was the problem. They had a religious spirit. Now, I didn't mean to me to get on this, but I'm just telling you what could happen. If we don't hold ourselves accountable, what happened is we could become like the Sanhedrin. Well, they decided they didn't need Christ. They was wanting to see the rulership without Christ. Without Christ, we had no resurrection and everything is just a lie, was made up. But we know that Jesus is the light, the truth, and the way. So if we're going to follow him, then we got to constantly search ourselves. And you notice the more we search ourselves, I I'm just saying this out of my belief and my walk with him, the closer we get to God, the, the more we search ourselves and we receive God's correction and his love, the more closer we get to God. But if Jesus said this, he said, I tell you this, the children of Abraham are going to come and sit at my table. You know that welcome table my grandmother used to always talk about? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why did he say that? Because they were so busy. They were so busy living in, in they, they thought that because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, yeah, God has a covenant with Abraham and he passed down to Isaac and uh, Jacob. Yes, he did. But the thing is, he said that he said, if you keep walking my ways and keep my status, then will you enjoy the goodness of the land. He didn't say if you did your way, but he said, if you walk in my ways and obey my commandments, then you shall enjoy the good of the land. And Israel, they prospered. Every time they obeyed God, they stayed out of sin, they prospered, and it was an era of peace. When they got in sin, they went right into trouble with God. So let us examine ourselves so we can be not only good servants to the Lord, but we can also be good examples that people want to follow when they see us. And the Bible says in Proverbs, and then I'm done, it says, they said, glorify your father, which is in heaven, that they may see in Mother Matthew chapter six, that they will give glory to God, even if they're not saved, they give glory, because they'll see the light in your light shining so bright that they'll say, they'll give glory to your father, which is in heaven. And what we do, we don't do to be seen. We do it in secret that they may, we may God reward us in open. We're not trying to do to be the center of attention. We're just living a life. All we're doing is saying we're living a life that is pleasing to our God. Now, how much more could God ask for that? That's what he's been asking for from, uh, from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Think about this. They choose to disobey. And look what happened. Sin was born into the earth. And that's why Jesus, the second Adam, had to come and clean up this mess that had been going on for years. Now, is life easy? No, life is hard. But if God knew that we were poor, born for such a time and accomplished his will for our lives is such a race as this. He, and he, let me show how in tune he is. He has he selected us to be in a race in this time. And why were we not born in 18 or 17, 16 15, 14th century, we were born in 20th century, or early, maybe the early, I'm not hoping we were older than that, but we were born in such a time as this, because the baton has been passed to us. 
So now we're going to rent, are we going to finish the race and we're going to hold ourselves accountable? It's nothing wrong. I'm going to tell you something. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be corrected, if, especially if it's in love. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to be Because then you say, Lord, I would not to see. Because sometimes that person over you may see something you don't see. Amen. And so we're, that's why the Bible says, let it be established with two witnesses. Amen. And so we know that if we come together, like Aaron and Moses did, the, about Saul said, it's beautiful to see brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Yeah. It is like the ointment that ran down the bear of Aaron, even Aaron's beard. God loves to see unity, but Satan wants to destroy that unity because he know when he break up Christians, that he know when we don't hold ourselves accountable, he know with the spirit of, uh, 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 I would say, uh, an accountable spirit is the spirit of the Lord. An unaccountable spirit is the spirit of Satan. So we get to choose. Let us take hold to be an accountable Christian. So when God sees us, he can say, well done. Refuge in the storm, well done. Well done. You have excelled them all. Proverbs 31, the woman, amen. And that's really the church he's really talking about. You excel them all. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen.